Amen. It reminded me of a, of a story that Matt Hunt had told me about his boys one day that Nick um, Garrett was somewhere and it was time to eat. And Nicholas went to go get him and said, hey, Nicholas, it's time to eat. Or Garrett, it's time to eat. And Garrett was like, whatever. And so Nicholas went back to his dad and said, you know, he didn't come. He said, you go tell him your dad said it's time to eat. So he went back in and told him, he said, dad said it's time to eat. And Garrett came. Now, why do I say that? When I'm preaching the word of God, don't see Earl Glisson. Amen. Dad's saying some things to us today. Amen. I'm going to tell you what dad's saying. All right, because, you know, I'm just a human being like you. You can disregard me. You know, you can, you know, treat me as if I'm common like anyone else. That's fine. But I'm going to be talking on behalf of dad today. Amen. So not my words, but his words. And it would bode, it would bode well for us. It would do us well, be to your advantage, that you would heed the words. Amen and respond. Because obviously, Garrett knew that Nicholas didn't have any authority to make him come eat, but dad did. I have no authority in your life other than what God's given me. Amen, as a pastor. And you can, you can refuse that just like you can refuse dad. Dad will let you refuse him. But if you refuse him, then you'll have the consequence of that refusal. And it never is good. Because you're separating yourself from life. Even as a child of God. Can I get an amen? Because last week we started talking about being well pleased. Amen? Say, Dad is well pleased with me. Well, are you a candidate for having that kind of conversation with your dad? Because just because you're in covenant with God, just because you're in a covenant, doesn't mean that dad's pleased with you. Just because God loves you doesn't necessarily mean he's pleased. There are things that have to be in demonstration in order to hear from dad saying, man, I'm pleased with you, son. I'm pleased with you, daughter. I'm pleased with what you're doing. And the Bible is very clear here, okay? We saw this in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10 last week. We read verses 1 through 13. I'm not going to read it all. But when he was talking back into the old covenant, so in essence, Paul became this like bookend. He's like on this side was the old covenant and this side's the new covenant. And then we got an example of how we get well pleased by dad with the, with the message of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3 going into ver- chapter 4. And we saw that when it came to the Israelites, when they were out in the wilderness, it says with many of them in verse 5 of the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians that God was not pleased with them. And remember, they were in covenant. He delivered them out of slavery. They were set free in the, in the realm of no longer slaves. Yet, he was not pleased because they were unwilling to obey him at his word. They would not live by um, the word of God. They only wanted to live by natural means, okay? So Paul warns us in that same passage, verses 11 through 13. I like the message translation. He said, these are all warning markers, danger in our history books written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. Amen. You know, they say, you know, if you don't look back on history, you'll you're inevitably repeat mistakes. I'm just telling you right now, sin is sin, and people that are in sin are going to do the same thing that other people did in sin, and they're going to get the same results, but they're going to think they're going to do it better. Yeah. Period. Every failure that's ever happened, somebody thinks, I could do it without failing. But it only turns out the same way. Okay? So it goes on. It says our positions in the story are parallel at the beginning. They are at the beginning. We are at the end. We are just as capable of messing it up as they were. So don't be naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You can fall flat on your face as easy as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. No test or temptation that comes comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limits. He'll always be there to help you come through it. Amen? And so we saw that in Matthew 3, 17, that the Lord said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And we saw some characteristics that caused him to receive this well pleased. We saw that his outward submission was was always a manifestation of his inward submission. He had decided on the inside, I'm going to do everything Dad says. 
Then we saw that that outward uh, submission produced a fruit of righteousness. Means that he was a doer of that word. He couldn't just say he was a doer. He had to actually be that. He couldn't just instruct people on how to do. He had to do. In fact, if all you can do is give instruction yet not do, you're a Pharisee. Because that's what Jesus said about the Pharisees. He said, do what they say, but don't do what they... You don't want to live that life. That you can instruct the right thing, but you can't live the right thing. So Jesus lived the right thing. Then we saw that he, Jesus' work of faith, meaning he was actually doing what the Father required him to do, yeah. it gave him access to power. Yeah. It opened access to power. The heavens opened up. That's right. And then he received the power. Hallelujah. Not only did he have access, but then he received it. Yeah. But this was all a work of faith. Yeah. He went to John the Baptist and says, permit it at this time so that all righteousness can be fulfilled. Yes. Amen. Amen. And so... From there, once the power hit and God the Father saw his obedience, yeah. it was seen. Yeah. I said it was seen. You know, obedience is the outward or the seen expression of our inward faith. Yes. Amen. Amen. What we know to be true on the inside, it will show up on the outside. And so then the Father decreed, he declared, this is my son. Amen. And then he said about his son that he was well pleased with him. So in essence, he's saying, my children, those that are my kids, in order for me to be pleased with them, then they'll walk in obedience to my word. They'll live by faith. Amen. They'll live by faith. So uh, as the son of God, he had the ability to be led by the spirit of God. And we are to be led by the spirit, are we not? Those who are sons of God. They are led by the Spirit of God, which means I'm not leading. I'm following. Yeah. We'll have a book coming out in, the, in April. Uh, that's our desire to launch it called Lead Follower. All right? So we're following someone, following the Holy Ghost. Verse 9, or the next point we saw was that uh, as a son of God, Jesus knew he had a duty to obey the leading of the Spirit. After he was baptized, got all that power, he didn't say, let's go, let's go heal people. Because the Holy Ghost, the first thing he says to him, now you got me, let's go find the devil. <laughs> so he went out into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, right? And the enemy will attack your identity. Know this, that's all he wants to do is to get you to forget who you are. And if you don't know who you are, then you cannot resist temptation. If he can get you to forget who you are, temptation will overtake you every time. When you fail to remember you are a child of the king, you will fail and fall to temptation. But as long as you can remember that and know that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, and if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me, then you'll overcome anything. And let me tell you something. Overcoming, it means you'll put down your flesh, you'll put down your emotions, you'll put down your feelings, you'll put down, I have a right, uh, I, you know, I've been wronged. You'll put that down, even if that's reality. You'll put it down and walk in love when you understand who you are. And so the Son of God always responds from the source of the written word and not his circumstances or feelings. And I find it interesting that we saw last week when we dealt with the Old Covenant account that their failure was, as the Lord was teaching them in the wilderness, he was teaching them this lesson, man shall not live on bread alone, but out of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that was the very first scripture Jesus used when com combating the devil in the wilderness. When, he, when the devil says, aren't you hungry? And he was. Because the writer Matthew tells us he's very hungry. And so he wanted some food. It was a true temptation to want to eat. I mean, some of us, you know, we can't even get through a service without ready to eat, you know. And Daniel Melton, he's not unhungry right now. Right? And so um, with that being said, you know, Jesus says, it is written. Man shall not live on bread alone. So in order to get a well-pleased, you can't live on your accolades. You have to live on the word you obeyed from the Father. Right. Hallelujah. So, uh, again, since we made this connection that a child of God, Jesus being our example on how we are to see ourselves and to act in a way so that God says, man, I'm pleased with Chelsea. Why? Because Chelsea obeys me at my word. When I give her the word, she hears it, but she doesn't just hear it. She acts on it. And she does it. And she does it in faith even if she doesn't feel like it. That's very significant. Okay? And so, then because of that, she's reminded of this identity she has. 
that we're in Christ. Well, what's it saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says it this way, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, Jesus, he was a born, he was a man who knew no sin, yet he became sin for our behalf. So Jesus was not born of the man. He was born of the Spirit, and he was always righteous. But that was because he chose it. He still chose to live righteous. All right? He was not born of the sin nature. <coughs> Excuse me. He's born of the Holy Ghost. Yet, Christ then says, the spirit that I had, in, the spirit that I am in the flesh, that means the word wrapped in the flesh, he says, when you become born again, you'll be like me. So again, you cannot lean to your humanity once you're in Christ and give yourself an excuse to not make it or to blow it or to live less than Christ lived. Now, we are not God in the flesh, but we are children of God in the flesh. That's who we are. And sometimes this is very difficult for us because we live such an existence outside of God, you know, where we live life and experience life in decisions we made, which were typically based upon how we felt. And some of those decisions we made based upon the way we felt made us feel better, right? whether it's immorality through, you know, sexual immorality, or it could have been through revenge. It could have been through revenge. Somebody done something wrong, and you, you, done, you done something to get them in trouble or get back at them, and you felt better about it because they were humiliated. Now, I don't know if it's a true story, but I'd heard that one of the songs that Phil Collins had wrote, um, I Can Hear It in the Air Tonight. This could be totally false, but if this is a good example, nonetheless, it's no different than just a little made-up story. But if you know the song is about somebody dying, somebody got drowned, and apparently, according to whatever, what a legend, thank you, according to legend, that they, he was there when he was a young child, his best friend died drowned, there was a guy that could have saved him. And so he did a concert, invited the guy, and then sang it to him. The guy that let his friend die. I mean, it's brutal. You know, I used to always love the song until I found out that story behind. I thought, wow, talking about revenge, talking about humiliation, you know, talking about not being able to forgive, right? But sometimes when we do those things, we feel vindicated, right? Well, they're against God's word. I mean, Jesus, if anybody could have been vindicated, <laughs> right? That's enough. That's the last time you're going to pull my beard out. Right? That, that's the last stripe you're putting on my back right there. You don't even know who I am right now. Right? I mean, he said, he already told Peter, I could call a legion of angels down. I'm done with this. He could have done that. I mean, all I've done is heal their sick, raise their dead, cast out devils out of them. I've poured myself out. I have fed them. I have clothed them. I have done so many things. They can't even write enough books about the actions I've done. And now here they are beating on me, wanting me dead, going to take a murderer over me. Yeah. Now, I'm done with this. Right? Listen, Jesus was tempted on all accounts just as we were. And what Jesus says, listen, you didn't have a, you, you struggled when you were without me. But once you become a part of me, once you get in Christ, then the spirit that I am or how I operate now is in you. Yeah. You have the same capacity. And then the Holy Ghost is inside you, bearing witness with you, you're a child of God. So it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the word in is, denotes a fixed position. In essence, he's saying, I'm fixing you in me. So when God the Father sees you, they actually see Christ in you. This is so significant. When they see you, Elliot, he's not looking at all your past, all your failures, all the things ever happened to you, all the things ever done wrong to you, all those stuff, all those issues. He sees you in Christ, the hope of glory, the power of God, a child of God that has the same capacity as Christ himself when he was in the flesh, and you can live the same existence. Gee, you could not live the same existence than... It, then Jesus would have been a liar if he says the works that I do, even greater works will you do. Well, we talk about Jesus' works, and we keep it in the realm of, of the miraculous, but do you know it's a work to put your flesh down? Right. Yeah. 
It's a work to not let your emotions get the best of you. Amen. And I'm just, I just have to surmise in the statements when Jesus said to himself, how much longer must I suffer with thee that he was having an emotional moment that he would not let get the best of him, but he would maintain his love walk by the Spirit. Amen. So the works that Jesus did, well, he had the capacity to maintain his soul realm, keep it in submission to the spirit realm, and if he could do that work, guess what you can do? You can do that work too. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Plus, once he put himself in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, you became a new creature in Christ. Then he's given you the capacity to hear God, follow God, serve God, walk in the same power that he did. How could he say greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? And Jesus only overcame the devil because of the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus did not operate independent of the Holy Spirit. He didn't even have a conversation with Satan until the Holy Ghost came upon him. Amen. So Jesus overcame because of the Holy Spirit that he had. And it's the same Spirit. It's the same Spirit. You, you don't have a different Holy Ghost in you. You don't have this one that is, is subpar and inferior to the Holy Spirit in Jesus. So too often we identify with our humanity and, 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 and failures and mistakes and problems and, well, you know, we just can't. Instead of saying, no, I identify myself with Christ. Yeah. I'm in Christ. Yeah. The old passed away. This word old means this. It means so as to be missing or displaced from the uh, uh, usual or proper place. The, the old's passed away. My gosh, anything we've ever suffered, anything we've ever done wrong is past. Say it's past. It doesn't even exist as far as God. The only people on the planet or in the realm of the unseen that know your past are you and the devil. And the devil surely will remind you of your past. And there's only one reason he does is because he loves to pull out his flaming missiles, his fiery darts to try to penetrate your mind for one purpose. One purpose. I said one purpose, so that you will fail to remember who you are. Because if he can get you to identify with your past mistakes, your failures, he can get you in guilt and condemnation, and now you're stuck. But what does Romans 8, 1 say? Therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are, are, are in Christ. Notice, not because you ask God to forgive you, but because you're in Christ. Now, asking for forgiveness gets you in Christ, and, and, and forgetting those things that lie behind keeps you in a position of being Christ because there's no condemnation as long as your identity is in him. Yeah. When you identify with Christ, then you'll be able to do what Christ did. Yeah. Amen. He said you'd rule and reign in this life. Well, how can you rule and reign if you've got things ruling and reigning over you? Right? If circumstances rule over you, if, if sickness and disease rules over you, if substances rule over you, if your past mistakes rule over you, if, if, if the, the, the things that happen uh, towards you rule over you, if they rule over you, then you don't rule and reign. Now, you can be born again and in covenant, but not live in a well-pleased life because you continually fail to remember who you are now. Amen. We know this has been a problem, that humanity has a forgetful problem. That's our biggest problem, is we forget. And even in the new covenant, they forgot who they were uh, when they wandered the wilderness. And James tells us that we can forget who we are. We'll look at ourselves in the mirror and walk away and forget who we were. Right? This is what a doer, a, a hearer of the word only does. They look at themselves in the mirror. God clearly says, this is who you are, but then you walk away and you identify with something else. Yeah, but the Lord said, an effectual doer, they'll look at themselves in a memory and remember who they are. And they'll only speak that's who they are. And they'll only live by that's who they are. And that'll be their confession. I was talking with someone uh, just the other day. I think it was after an all-staff meeting. It's a really good point. 
And so I made mention about, you know, saying some things, and he had saw in Scripture where talking about God judging every idle thought, and he goes, you know, it's interesting he said every idle thought and didn't say every, you know, word. So we talked a little bit, you know. Anyway, brought up the thought process of, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, you know, have you ever noticed that, you know, so you get around someone and they basically live for God all the time, but then they have a flesh day, a uh, flesh moment, and they say something. They go, oh, out of the abundance of the heart, mouth speaks. That's really who you are. Do you know the devil can't talk to your heart when you're born again? He bombards your mind. So do you understand, you can communicate what the devil says and it not come from your heart. It's just that you're listening with your head and not taking captive the thought, and you release it before you hold on to it and cast it down. And that's the difference. Because if you actually was quick to hear, slow to speak, you wouldn't say what the devil said in that moment. You wouldn't give to your emotion your thing because he feeds in on that thing like, ooh, you... Do you know how that made you feel? Oh, you know how that is right there. Oh, you know how people look at you. Oh, you know how this is. Oh, that reminds me. Remember when you were a child or remember when you had this situation or remember this? Next thing you know, if you're not slow to speak and say, what's the heart saying? What's going on in my spirit? What should I say? Because that's what Jesus did. It is written. He heard something, and his body identified with it. Man, and I would just imagine that when the devil says, why don't you turn this stone into bread? You understand? You know, if you are the son of God, because he attacked his identity. And I'm sure his stomach growled at that moment. Yeah. yeah, why don't you do that? You know, trying to talk to him. You know, I'm sure his mind had been talking to him for days. I'm so hungry right now. We are starving. How much longer have we got to hang out here? There's no defined period. We know it was 40 days, you understand? And if you put a marker, but there was no indication Jesus knew how long he was going to be out there. Right? I mean, when you don't know the end, things get long. It's like driving. You know, you're going somewhere, you don't know where it's at, and it's like, man, it takes forever. Only to realize on your way back home, that was pretty quick. Yeah. It's the mentality of not knowing right. that causes things to stretch and seem longer than what it really is. And your mind to play tricks on you. Right. Well, how long have I got to stay here? How long is it going to be like this? When am I going to get my time? And the devil will pay in on all that stuff. So there were real temptation for him to not want to say, man, give me some bread. I'm going to tear up some food right here. I'm going to turn this into a bread factory right now. But he didn't do that. What did he do? He listened to his heart, his spirit. He didn't speak immediately from his head the thoughts the devil were throwing at him because he wanted to stay well-pleased. Amen? So our olds are passed away. We're a new creature in Christ. As new things have become new means this. As to former or quality of a different nature from what is contrast is old. Meaning it's totally different. You are not the same person in the spirit. And the problem is your mind just doesn't know it yet. This is why you have to do the renewing of your mind. This is why you are to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You're here to say, wait a minute, I got to get my mind to understand who I am now. I got to look at myself again and say, that's who I am, because that's what God said I am. God says I'm this, so that's me. God says I'm the uh, righteous of God in Christ, so I'm been made righteous. God said that I've been forgiven, and so I'm forgiven. God says I'm loved, so I'm loved. God says the fruits of the Spirit are in me, so self-control's in me, which means I don't feel like I'm in control, but I'm going to get in self-control. And if I yield, it'll show up. Patience is there. I said patience is there. Why are you saying, well, I can't be patient? You can be if you're a child of God. In fact, patience is in you. Yeah. The Holy Ghost, who is very patient yeah. and long-suffering, yeah. is right here on the inside resident. All you got to do is yield. Yeah. Yeah. Merciful. They don't deserve that. But yet, then all of a sudden, the, the mercy of God begins to talk to you. Well, just give them mercy. Yeah, but they don't deserve mercy. And then God has start talking like this, well, neither did you. But you're to demonstrate me. So show mercy. I mean, there's plenty of people that I've demonstrated mercy that if we just took it for what they did, I could show Scripture they're wrong. Yet, God's desire was mercy. Just like the woman caught in adultery. Scripturally, Jesus could condemn her. So he had to hear the Holy Ghost Hear what the Father wanted to say by the Spirit in this situation because they are really backed him up in a corner, um, theologically speaking. 
said, we've caught her in the act, and the law says to stone the woman. And he's like, yep, that's exactly right. Now, what am I going to do about this one? So he's listening. So then he says, he who's never sinned cast the first stone. So he's given qualification who can actually bring judgment. <laughs> well, everybody dropped their stone, obviously. Then Jesus is there, and he, she, he says to the one, where are your accusers? Then she makes this statement. Nowhere, Lord. And when she identified him as Lord, then mercy was able to kick in. Are you with me? He said, well, I won't condemn you either. In essence, this is who I am forgiven. But here's what you have to do if I'm Lord. Notice she says, no one, no one Lord. So since I'm Lord, I'm not going to condemn you because I could stone you right now. But I'm going to choose to forgive you. And now here's the condition of my forgiveness. Go and sin no more. Don't continue this lifestyle. Period. Are you with me? So Jesus expected when mercy showed up that it would do something in her to compel her to not want to sin anymore. And sometimes when someone's done wrong, the right way to keep them out of trouble is to actually demonstrate mercy. It's given an opportunity of mercy to show up. So they realize, wow, I really could have been in trouble there. But God had mercy on me. Amen? So news totally different. We are different species of beings. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, we know it says it this way. He who made him, made him, he made him who knew no sin to be sent on our behalf so that we might become the righteous of God. Where? In him. We're in a fixed position. We're a new creature in Christ. We're a totally different species of being on the inside in our spirit, man. We are a three-part man. According to 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, it says that you are to uh, remain blameless until the return of Christ in your spirit, soul, and body, which means there the two other areas of our, of our being our soul realm and our body realm, we are responsible for that. But the area we could not fix, no matter what we did, was get our spirit man alive to God. Only Jesus could do that. And so we receive this new spirit inside us the minute we confess Jesus Christ as, as Lord. It's not of any works lest any man should boast. I cannot boast that I'm right with God because of what I did. I'm right with God because of what Christ did. But now that I'm right with God because of what Christ did, now I'm responsible to get the other two areas of my uh, being in alignment with Scripture. I have to renew my mind. I have to listen to the Holy Ghost on the inside of me who's teaching me and instructing me to conform into the image in the realm of the way I think, process, and act to the world that acts like the spirit of the man that I am now. I have to change that. That's my responsibility. I have to yield to that. Amen. And then I have to put my body in subjection. I can't, my body just doesn't tell me what to do. It doesn't rule me. If it sees somebody good looking, it don't run off after somebody good looking. No, you don't do that. Amen. You don't put stuff in you that's going to kill you. Amen. Because it craves things that will kill it. You don't get them because you don't own me. I own you. Hallelujah. Okay. So the next one we see in 1 John 4, 13 says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Amen. Well, Jesus, again, had the Spirit of God, and he was well pleased with the Father because he followed what the Spirit said. Romans 4, 14 and 16. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And then verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are what? Children of God. Come on, can I get an amen? amen. I know some of this is review. But you understand, faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. So again, if you're just saying, I know that, well, you're not going to live it because if you only know something and not exercise what you know, then you're not living in the revelation of what you know. You just have knowledge of something that you don't actually live by. Yeah. So we have to be reminded who we are because I know this, the enemy sure is attacking this identity every day. He's trying to keep you from understanding who you are and that you are capable of following the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is not going to lead you in a direction contrary of the Word. He's not going to say something that's out of alignment with the Word of God. 
but he will perform the word of God in your life as you yield to him. And following him is not always comfortable. A lot of times it has great displeasure when it comes to your flesh and your thinking to step out with the Holy Ghost. But if you'll do it, it's an awesome thing. Amen? So what is this distinction that we can know that these people are children of God and not children of the devil? We see it here in 1 John 3, verses 8 through 10. It says, the one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. So you can't be living a continual lifestyle that is contrary to the word and expect God the Father to say, ah, man, I, we're good. It's not balanced teaching. Does he love? He loves everybody. But love puts people into the lake of fire. Love will step back and let death walk right through their house. Because love will give them what they want. Yet he loves them. See, he's not accepting any of those bad behaviors. He's not accepting, you know, that they run harder after the devil than they run after him. He's not accepting that. He loves them. He's made a way of escape. He's got a plan. He can get, you can get on his path and he'll do great things, but you got to choose to do that. Love will not change that. You have to make that choice. Hallelujah. So we go on then and see this. The son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Notice he destroyed it. So why do we sit around in our minds and in our emotions and in our feelings, and in our flesh, and act like, you know, we just can't. And we just can't do it. You know? I mean, it's just how I am. No, you're in Christ. That's how you are. You're in Christ. And you can. You get a hold of this deal. In fact, you've conquered it. You've whipped it. It actually has no power over you because Jesus destroyed that work. He destroyed his capacity to rule and reign and have dominion and dominance over you. For you to even give occasion to it, you're allowing yourself back over into the domain of darkness. Saying, it is written. Amen. Let's go on. It says this, no one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. That's why I'm saying you should develop a lifestyle so much, so close with God that your soul and body realm is so in tune with your spirit that you would say, I, man, when was the last time I did something wrong? Amen. And when you did, you're like, I know that. I know I did wrong there, man. It's like it's clear as day. And I got up out of that thing so fast, I wouldn't let myself sit there. It was so disgusting when I went there. Not well, you know, it's just, you know, I couldn't help it. Yeah, you can. You can. You can help it greatly. Because God has given you the ability. You're no longer stuck. You have God in you. I said you have God in you. We're not stuck anymore. Hallelujah. Okay. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Okay, so here's a couple things we need to understand real quick as we start to wrap some things up in the next 10, 15 minutes. That when you become a child of God, um, we are subject to the king of glory. Are you with me? Jesus was well pleased by the father because he was subject to the voice of dad. He loved dad. And he knew, how do I show dad I love him? I keep what he says. You can't really say you love God and not do what he says. It's not possible. (laughs) Because you're trying to get me to believe you really feel like you love God, yet you're demonstration of love for God is against what the word says showing God love is. You want me to identify that, you know, your humanity is so attached to you and you can't overcome these things, but yet you're right with God that you ask him to come into your heart and save you. And, you know, I really do love him. Yet the scripture is very clear on how it defines love. Jesus said, if you love me, you will. Keep my word. Nowhere in scripture does it say loving God is just saying it. 
that living your way but acknowledging you love him demonstrates his love for you or your love for him. Doesn't say it. It says that if you love him, you'll keep. So Jesus, who literally loved the Father, only did what Dad said. He didn't get around the disciples and say, let's just sing to, our, to Dad and just tell him how much we love him. Oh, we praise you, God. Let's just sit around the campfire today while we eat fish, and let's just tell Dad how much we love him right now and appreciate him. No, Jesus talked about the love of the Father this way. He said, I only do what Dad says. I only say what Dad says. I only act what Dad tells me to act. What I, you see me doing is because I heard from Daddy. And that's how he demonstrated God's love. So, again, you sit around and we say, I love God. But if we examine the outward appearance of your life, is it reflecting an inward submission to his word? Because if it's not, and I know all of us go through junk. We go through stuff. I mean, there's attacks. There's things that happen. There's things that to our mind, it just want to drive you crazy. But you can't stay there. I have a sound mind in Christ. Because if I go with the way I'm feeling right now, man, it's all bad. Yet, I won't yield to that. What does the word say? Dad, talk to me about how I'm supposed to respond. So, you got to understand, when you became a child of God... You renounced your independence. You renounced it. Because as long as you're with the devil, you can remain independent of God. And you can think like you want to think, say what you want to say, do what you want. You understand, you can still do that in Christ, but that is an independent spirit that is fueled by rebellion. So, when you get in God's kingdom, although you lose independence, you do not lose individuality. There's a difference between being independent and an individual, okay? Because God's not made us the same. And this is a lot of times the struggle people have that they don't want to go to Christ. They're like, well, I just look like everybody. No, you don't. You act like everybody that's acting like God. You respond like everybody that responds like God, but you are still an individual. You have a specific function. You are, you are chosen of God for a specific task. And you're not like me and I'm not like you in that context. We are individuals, but we are totally dependent on God. Yeah. I said we're totally dependent on God. See, an individual is a specific person distinct from others in a group. We are in a group because we're jointed and fitted together. So we're individuals. That's what's so awesome. But we're all fully dependent on God. So in the kingdom, you lose your independence, but not your individuality. You are to operate individually with full dependency upon the king. And this is how Jesus demonstrated what a well-pleased child of God looked like. He did not live independent of dad. He was fully dependent on dad. He had to spend time with him. He had to talk with him. He had to understand his word. He had to be led by the Spirit. He desired, because why? I want Dad to be well pleased with me as a child. We have to understand this, is you can have a relationship and still be independent of the one in whom you have relationship. Because again, we see things all the time. Relationship, not religion. Well, the reality is you can have relationship and still miss the kingdom. Because again, the marker that Paul tells us in the New Covenant writings that is a type and shadow of things that exist for us in this New Covenant, and that is you can have relationship, covenant with God, but yet still not fully exercise in all that the kingdom has for you. Even Jesus told Nicodemus, unless a man's born again, he won't even see it. Now, seeing it and experiencing it are two different things. I can see Disney from afar, but not experience it. I can see it on TV. I can even go down to Orlando and see its gates, but I cannot go in. I could go through the gate and still not experience it. I could pay full price, and because and, it's a far away from the time I pay it to the parking lot. So you can have a relate, you can be in God's kingdom, you can enter, but yet still not experience it. This is very important. 
Because we have to become fully involved in the identity that we've been made into so that we can enjoy the benefits of this relationship we have with Christ. Because just because you're born again doesn't mean you've submitted in your mind, in your will, in the realm of your soul to be fully dependent on God. In fact, I would submit to you many have... Only the, relationship, the only relationship they want to have with Jesus is the one where Jesus will open up the books in the end and say, your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Come in. You don't have to go to hell. That's the only thing they want to know about Jesus. My relationship with him is that I don't go to hell. Not my relationship with him is that he rules and reigns in my life, whatever he tells me to do. And there's been many times Jesus has told me to do stuff, and in my mind I'm thinking, you're crazy. But, hey, I was crazy without you. I was lost, bankrupt. My mom, I was going the wrong way. Everything I did myself was terrible. Why not trust him? Think of, why not? I mean, doing it your way was terrible. Yet we're going to then question God once we get over here in it. Once we enter in, we're going to, you want me to do what? Man, I mean, I say, I'm just thankful you saved me. You hear people do that? I'm just so thankful. I, I'm just thankful he saved me. It's almost like they're wanting to say to the Lord, because I'm just thankful that you saved me, you ought to say, I'm just thankful you're in. You should just be thankful I accepted you. Because you're requiring a whole lot out of me now. You're telling me to forgive somebody? You're telling me to forget my past and hurts I've been holding on for years? You're telling me that i got to change the way I think now? You're telling me that I may have to quit that? What is this thing I'm in? He's like, you in power. You in love. You up to meet your full potential. I mean, I pulled you out of the gutter, and just because we got you cleaned up on the end, over here in the spirit realm, there's still more to clean. There's still more to do. There's still more to change, and to let you release your full potential. Amen. But we want to question God. Hallelujah. No, identifies. This is where the devil jumps in. And you're saying, we say, we want to question. I'm telling you, the devil, all, he may see you in his kingdom, but he is sure putting fire, rain, he's putting things downrange to you. You got to say, man, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to submit to that. So, relationship is connection, a significant connection uh, or, or similarity between two or more things, a particular type of connection existing between people related to or having dealings with each other. So again, you can have a relationship with God and still miss the kingdom. So how do, you, how do you, now that you're in this kingdom, how are you supposed to operate? Well, Mark tells us, because again, we want to be well-pleased as a child of God to the Lord. Mark chapter 10, verses 14 and 15 says this, Permit the children to come to me, do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a what? Like a child will not enter at all. And In essence, God says, when you get born again, I need you at that moment, to change your mind. Because we know it's repent. And he's telling you the mindset he wants you to have the minute you get in. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 4. At that time, the disciples came and said to him, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself and set him before them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted, that means your turn, you turn. And one translation means this. It means to change your thinking change one's mind, and become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Well, how many of you want to stay great in the kingdom? Yes. Amen. So there's something about a child we are to maintain. But now listen to this. There's a difference between being a child and being childish. Are you with me? Now let me go to that real quick because I got that on the front row this morning. During worship, the Lord began to speak to me. I said, hmm. So I sat down, pulled out my little iPad, began searching. Then I went and started looking the word up. And I began talking. I said, okay, how am I supposed to bring that, Lord? Amen. Didn't have that this morning until worship. I thank God for the Holy Ghost talking to us. Amen. 
He said, there's a difference between being a child and child. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You guys don't have this. In verse 11, it says, when I was a child, I spake like a child. I think, uh, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I put away with childish things. But yet Jesus tells us you can't even enter the kingdom of God and you'll be only be great in the kingdom if you act like a child. So there's something about a child we are to maintain, but there's something childish we're supposed to let go of. Well, what Paul was saying here is that, you know, in relationship to a child, when we are unskilled, unlearned, we're an infant, we really don't know a whole lot, we respond that way. But the minute we learn from God and begin to mature, then we don't respond childish like we don't know. Which means so many people in this room right now, and I can say this because we, some of y'all been with me for a while, we got Kingdom Institute graduates. I got Bible College graduates. I got Mighty Men 318 graduates. I got women who've gone through uh, different book clubs already. I've got all kinds of teaching you've gone through. And all of a sudden, if the Spirit of the Lord begins to talk to you about oh, something going on in your life and you sense it, but yet you're like, I don't want to do it, that's childish. It's childish for you to act, well, you know what, I'm just, I don't, they made me feel bad. That's childish. You've got all that in you, and we're going to buck this thing? You called in sin and then give me an excuse of why you there? That's childish. It's childish. Paul said, get rid of that junk. Now that you know something, don't be acting like you don't know. Amen. But what is the quality of a child that we're supposed to maintain? Listen, in order to experience the kingdom of God, you must become like a child. One thing a child has is the spirit of dependency. Children, like, they're dependent on their parent. This is why children can be broken so bad. This is why when you get older in life, if you've been broken as a child, you need to get your heart healed. Spirit of dependency. So the reality is they are leaning to us. They, you know, what, whatever, Dad, what? And they're depending. There's a dependence. What is the spirit of dependence? Okay, I just saw Josh Clay's kids up here earlier. You know, Charlie and, and Titus, they were here. She's up there singing. I don't think Titus and Charlie woke up this morning and says, Dad, is it our, are we okay financially to be able to get food? Do I need to start a job? I can bring more income in. No, they're fully dependent. And they don't think about what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to wear. Now, they'll ask maybe what they're going to eat, but they ain't worried about where it came from. And they ain't worried about how much it got, took out of the budget. And they, don't, they ain't worried about whether or not mom and dad have enough. In fact, if it ain't in there, they'll talk to them about it. Where's the food? Because they have the next thing, a spirit of expectancy. Well, since I'm here, I expect. And I expect that when I'm hungry, you feed me. Yeah. And when I'm thirsty, you'll give me something to drink. Yeah. And when I'm naked, you won't let me go out the house. You'll get some clothes for me. And when I outgrow these, you'll bring more. Right. Amen. There's an expectancy. Why? Because my parents love me. My parents uh, want to see for me. Well, you know what else? There's a spirit of simplicity. They don't overcomplicate things. Right. It's not complicated. They don't make it complicated. They don't overanalyze. Amen. They may be inquisitive, but that's different than trying to overanalyze and trying to, you know, but now, now, it, could you just hear Charlie now? Because Charlie is pretty inquisitive. Charlie, now, Titus, you don't know if this would be your last meal. So you need to eat it all because mom and dad, you know, they made me strong. Did you see how they were arguing the other day? I don't even know if they're going to stay together. It could be divorce going in the house right now. I don't even know what's going on. Man, this could be our last meal. We could be separated. Child, DCF could be coming in and taking us from our parents. They don't overcomplicate stuff. Right? They don't have that kind of conversation when Josh, if he raised his voice to his wife, and have this big scenario and begin to do all these what-if stuff, they're like, is something wrong, Daddy? I mean, it's pretty simple. You know what else? They have the spirit of trust. They trust. They trust their parents. You know how you know? Here, jump. And they just come flying off the bed. You know what? Because they have a spirit of boldness. They don't calculate. 
They just jump out and do, bam, oh yes, woo! Because fear hadn't got in them yet. Amen. Too often we put the spirit of fear in our kids. If you don't watch out, you're training and put the spirit of fear in them. Now, you, they got to have safe boundaries. Don't get me wrong. But you got to try to train that in a way that doesn't put the spirit of fear in them. Now, fear of the Lord is a whole nother ball game. You know what else they have? They have a spirit of acceptance. Have you ever seen them around other kids? They can accept them. The devil's done a pretty good job of bringing things down younger and younger into schools, you know. But most of the time, especially in preschools, all you got to do is hang out. They are so accepting. they hugging on each other. You know, they're loving on each other. Yeah, sometimes they get a little selfish because that's that sin nature. But the reality is they're pretty, they're forgiving. This is what a child does, quick to forgive. Amen. Unless something damaging is happening in the house, and typically that's what happens when we have the most challenges with our, with our younger kids in Treasure Harbor Preschool. It's usually not the child that's got the problem. It's a problem with the parent, and it's, it's being amplified through the child. Because the child, their nature is to forgive. Their, their nature is to accept. They have a spirit of, of trans... Um, um, uh, on the expectancy, you understand, you, you tell a child you're going to do something, they'll remind you. Well, we'll get that in the morning. They will get them up. We going today? What? What are you talking about? You just telling it to get them to shut up. Right? Go to bed. We'll do it in the morning. It's morning. We're going today. Where are we going? We're going there. Well, what do you mean? We're not going there. Yeah, you said last night that we would. My son Chase owes London a, a trip to... To Disney because he said if you'll stay on purple for 30 days or something we'll take you so that's happening so according to his word he's like yep we're going now you know we're planning it you know and we didn't go tomorrow the next day but we're doing it and she'll keep it in front when we going you said well, why are we not like this with God? You said, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ you said that I'd overcome anything you said instead of well you know it's just so tough you're being childish. Put that away and be like a child and say, Dad, you said this, so this will happen in my life. I got it. You know what else is the spirit of transparency? They'll just tell you like it is. You stink. Bearing our kids like that? Your breast stinks. You need it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks. You know, they're just brutally honest. Right? They're just transparent. Tell you like it is. This is how it is. Right? But yet we want to make excuses with our life when the Lord says, hey, you know what? You need to put that down. You need to quit thinking that way. And all of a sudden we want to negotiate. But you don't understand why that is. Now, we want to, some of y'all are going to sit down with your kids and say, the reason why my breast stinks is because I have halitosis based upon And you want to give them like it's, this is acceptable. When a child is simply thinking, your breath stinks, do something to change your breath. <laughs> don't tell me why it is. Like it's okay. Because if there's a way to change it, which there is, change it. Here's a mint. Look to your neighbor and say, I'll give you a mint. Again, they have the spirit of innocence. 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 This is what's so awesome about Romans 8.1. That because we're in... Christ, we're no longer condemned. It's that we are declared innocent. See, experience is a terrible teacher when it's outside the Word. The reason why children have this is because they don't have experience. They don't have experience of being hurt, being picked on, being pushed around a lot of times. They don't have that. They don't have that experience until that experience comes on them. A lot of you got a lot of years underneath your belt. A lot of things have happened that you could go to experience. But God says, don't go to experience. Go to my word. And if you're going to go to experience, go to the experience you experience when you apply my word that you turn the experience around. Amen. I mean, how many times has God done something? And when are we going to get it that that's the norm instead of garbage hits? Well, in this life, you'll have trials and tribulations. But the norm is we overcome. Why do we always focus on the trial and the junk? All of a sudden, it's like, why, why? Because in our humanity, we identify with that. But the reality is in the spirit, we should be identifying with overcoming. Yes. Amen. 
So with that being said, here's my closing scripture. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Workmanship means a product, a beneficial, a beneficial, uh, beneficial in effect. A beneficial in effect. So God has created you in Christ, and he's still working on you so that you would model the kingdom to humanity. Now, how do we do this? Same, same book, Ephesians chapter 4, 24, says, and put on the new self. Now, notice, you can't put on a spirit. You have to become that spirit by the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ as your Lord. But you do have to put on the new self in your mind. So put on the new self, which is in likeness of God, uh, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. So I have to put on in my mind who I am in my spirit. Every day I put on, I'm a child of God. Every day I put on, I'm in Christ Jesus. Every day I put it on, it doesn't automatically go there. Because if I don't deal with my mind and my soul realm and keep myself identified with Christ, external things will try to cause me to abandon my identity. The devil immediately after Jesus was baptized in the Jordan came up and God spoke to him so clear he was a child of God. The very the next opportunity when he gets out into the wilderness, the devil says, if you are a son of God. You'll never be void of the if you are, ifs of life. But you can put on every day the nature of God in your mind and remind yourself, no, I am because dad called me that. See, dad declared to you that he was your work. He was, you were his workmanship. You're for him, that he did this for you. And so you put it on, Colossians 3.10, last scripture is this, and have put on the new self who is being renewed in the true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Every day I'm putting it on. And some days I have to put it on five or six, maybe ten times, considering what all's coming. Amen. Because the devil's trying to get me to get out of who I am. But I know who I am. I'm in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't live a sinful life. I don't practice that kind of life. I don't live that way. I live according to the word, according to scripture. I press towards that. I'm passionate about it. If I blow it, I repent quickly. And God's faithful and just to forgive me. And then I don't act like I live there anymore. I don't sit in failure. I don't live in failure. I don't even acknowledge the failure. Because I'm not a failure. You're not a failure. You may have failed and stumbled and fallen down along the way. True. But that does not mean you're a failure. If you're in Christ, you are righteousness. You are holy. You are of God. You are a conqueror. You are victorious. Quit being childish in your mind and act like you're not who you are on the inside. Don't let the devil have a playground all over the inside of your mind. Go ahead and call yourself what God. Put that thing on every day. Because it's then and only then will dad look down from his banister in heaven, from the throne, and say, that's my child and whom I'm well pleased because they keep putting on who they are. They put on who they are. I said they put on who they are. Put it on. Put it on. I know some days are going to feel rougher than others. So if you have a hard time getting dressed, let someone help you get dressed. Call someone up and say, man, I'm feeling something today. And say, listen, I'm not going to tell you what I'm feeling. I want you to dress me in my mind right now. Tell me who I am in Christ. I'm having a hard time putting my shirt on. But too often pride kicks in. And so you just let it just wheel over in your mind, wheel over in your mind, wheel over in your mind. And all the while, the Holy Ghost is saying, put me on, put me on. You're not that way. Quit listening to that. Take captive that thought. Put that down. Don't think that way. Make this adjustment. Put it on. Hallelujah. Put it on. It's not automatic. You have to of your own free will decide daily I'm in Christ 
I will live as God has ordained me to live. And I will act as God has ordained me to act. And a lot, most of the time, it will be by faith. Not because I feel good, but because I am good. I am good. He declared me good. My fruit is good. Hallelujah. Amen. He changed the tree. I said he changed the tree. Hallelujah.